Welcome to episode 185 of the Ping Skills Ask the Coach Show, where we help you improve your table tennis. 185 is an improvisation game. It starts with a line, 185-somethings walk into the bar and the bartender says, sorry, we don't serve whatever something you used. And the improviser has to come up with something witty. So, for example, the game might go like this. 185 turkeys walk into a bar. Sorry, we don't serve turkeys here. And the turkeys say, come on, I really need a drink. I'm stuffed. (laughs) What a great game. Anyway, in show 185, we're going to talk about all the interesting results from the Swedish Open. And we'll be answering lots of questions about anticipation, footwork, variation, having an attacking mindset and more. Yes, it is a big show. I'm Jeff Plum. And as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Uh, morning, Jeff. And uh, gee, that was a good one to start with. Yeah, don't you like that game? Uh, yeah, we should play that more often. <laughs> yes, we should. Oh, dear. Uh, you, do you want to have a go? No, not, <laughs> not right now. Okay, later, though. Later. All right, Alois. Um, now, as something that people actually do want to hear about instead of these number things is what happened on this day in history. Ah, yes, indeed. So on this day, 2003, Lionel Messi made his debut for Barca. There you go. Good sporting fact. 2003, well done. And what a champion he's been, huh? Absolutely, yes. 12 years, seems longer than that, right? But, um, yep, seems like he's been there forever. Great. All right, Alois. Now, let's get straight into the Swedish Open because we've had some really interesting results over the weekend from this tournament. Yeah, we have. And uh, I'm just uh, uh, grabbing the results up. So firstly, in the women's, um, again, a surprise winner, a Chinese player, of course, but uh, Mu Zi ended up winning um, the uh, the Swedish Open. So early on in the round of 16, beat Ding Ning 4-0. And um, the scores look, well, the fourth game was 11-2. So I haven't actually seen the match, but that seems a bit devastating. I don't know whether there's injury involved there or what it is. But yes, Muzi taking out Ding Ning in the last 16. Um, then went on to beat Hirano from Japan, uh, Ishikawa from Japan. Um, so And then um, in the final, beat Zhu Yu Ling 4-3. So uh, so a tough final. Uh, Zhu Yuling beat Liu Xi Wen, probably the favourite for the tournament, even though Ding Ning was the number one seed. But, uh, yeah, Zhu Yuling took out uh, Liu Xi Wen 4-3 in the semi as well. So uh, some interesting interesting matches there in the women's. In the men's, um, in the end, uh, Fan Zin Dong was the winner, uh, 4-2 over Zhu Zin. But f- quite a few upsets along the way and probably the... The, the big one, again, the one that we've been keeping an eye on, Zhang Zikke going down in the round of 16 to Jens Lundqvist. Now, I reckon that Zhang Zikke in his heyday would have uh, given Jens Lundqvist a five-point start. So, uh, you know, obviously well off his peak, Zhang Zikke. Will he make it to the Olympics? I don't think so at this stage. I think he is officially gone. There, you're so calling there you it. Zhang Zikke, champion. Yeah. You're calling it, he's gone. That's it for him. 
Yeah, I, I just don't think he can uh, come back from these sort of losses. I mean, unless he's just, you know, I don't know, something, there's something severely wrong injury-wise, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't like his chances. And especially with um, the young guns. So Feng Zendong um, won the final against Zhu Xin. Um, but in the semi, Feng Zendong beat uh, Liang Jingkun, a new or not new, but yeah, yeah, young Chinese player, 4-2. So, uh, and Jin Kun uh, uh, beat uh, Marcus Freitas 4-3, and I watched a bit of that match. Um, impressive sort of player. I mean, not up to the Fanzin Dong level at this stage, but yeah, certainly young, very impressive. And to beat Freitas, Freitas has been in good form, um, is very impressive. The other, the other interesting thing was the showing of all the young Swedes. So, uh, Anton Schalberg um, making the quarterfinal, um, losing to Fan Zendong 4-2. Um, uh, Jens Lundqvist, as we, as we talked about, beating Zhang Zikur, um, and then losing to Christian Carlsen in an all-Swedish uh, quarterfinal. Uh, Christian Carlsen winning that 4-0. Um, then I did watch Zhu Zin play, play Christian Carlsen, and it was a demolition. Um, <laughs> Zhu Zin was just doing what he wanted. It was it was a it was unbelievable uh, play from Zhu Zin. Um, if you get a chance to watch um, Zhu Zin in that match, uh, you will be very impressed. He was just teeing off with his forehand. If you ever want to see a sweet um, forehand at a million miles an hour, take a look at Zhu Zin in yeah, that match against Carlson. Yeah, well, so. Yeah. I guess, like you said, for Zhang Zikur, I have to tend to agree with you, Alice. I think this is the end for him. He's not going to get many more chances, especially when China's so strong and they've got young and upcoming players and they've still got Fan Zendong, Ma Long, Zhu Zin, all at the top of their game. Um, it's just, you know, they're not going to be very forgiving to Zhang Zikur and they're not going to put up with many losses. So I'm, I'm calling it too. This is the end of Zhang Zikur. Yeah, and, and as far as the Olympics is concerned, remember in the singles they can only have two Chinese players. So, uh, you know, he's got he's got to battle battle those guys out of a position. So, uh, yeah. I'd, yep. I'd no chance. For it. <laughs> no chance. He'll be out of the national team. Oh, poor. But, you know, what a champion. Um, he's got to look back and be happy <laughs> on his career if this is the end, which we'll soon see. Yeah. Oh, the other, right. Sorry, the other, the other um, result of note was Fang Bo going down quite early to Eugene Wang from uh, Canada as well. Again, another another upset. Um, uh, Fang Bo went down 4-3. And we, had, we hadn't, didn't even talk about Fang Bo and all that discussion about uh, young Chinese players. So, um, yeah, there's another one for you. Absolutely. All right. Um, all right, Alois. Uh, on Friday, we asked... Who is the most famous player you have met in person? Yes, and I'm just looking for my um, my result of that because I had it up here. Oh, there it is. Um, yes, uh, yeah, we had quite a few responses. And, um, yeah, so uh, a few silly ones, of course. But uh, Dave Brown said Madonna. I don't know how good Madonna is at playing table tennis, but... Um, that is impressive meeting Madonna, Dave Brown. She is pretty famous. Yeah. Um, a couple of p- people said 
Peter Corbell, because Corbell made a um, trip down here to Australia. So Luke Blythman and uh, Jared Cathcart said uh, that they met uh, Corbell. Uh, Marcelo said Hugo Calderano and Peter Carlson. So two uh, two big names in, in table tennis. Peter Carlson, a champion Swede, and Hugo, a, uh, a Brazilian. Um, so, and Alejandro said um, Kazuo Matsumoto as well. So, uh, yeah, some some big names that uh, people have met. Excellent. Excellent. Good to see people mingling with top table tennis players. I guess this question started because Ping Skiller um, played, um, Matthias played with Timo Boll. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that would be impressive to, uh, to meet and to play Timo Boll. Um, yeah. What about you, Jeff? Who have you met? Oh, well, yeah, I met Timo Boll at the Olympics where he demolished me in doubles <laughs> back in 2000. Um, quite a few good players have come out to Australia. Werner Schlager, world champion, has come out to Australia a few times and played. So met him. So, yeah, met quite a few players. What about yourself? Oh, and, of course, the great Waldner has been to Australia. And, uh, yes. So yes, he, he, he is definitely at the top. And, uh, and I had the, uh, the privilege of playing Jiang Jialiang as well. So, uh, yeah, two-time world champion. Indeed. All right. Now, the Ping Seals question for today is, have you tried boosting? So jump on the Facebook page or on pingseals.com and let us know, have you tried boosting? All right, let's get into the questions, Alois. It, like I mentioned at the start, it's a big show, lots of questions. Are you ready? Certainly am. Let's go. Right, let's get stuck into it. First up, a couple of questions from Ilya who says, when do you judge the placement of your opponent's stroke and start moving into position? When he swings or when the ball leaves the racket? And what do you think about guessing placement from previous experience with this player and start moving very early? Yeah, so so interesting question there. So we, we talk a bit about anticipation and watching the ball. So the most important thing is that you need to watch the ball. That's primary. By watching the ball, you will start to pick up some cues um, from the other player. And the more times that you have played the other player, the, uh, the better you will get at picking up those cues. So you will start to move a little bit earlier. Um, but... The most important thing for you at any stage is to just watch that ball. If you watch the ball, track the ball really carefully, then you will start to pick up cues. Don't start to think about trying to anticipate. If you start to think about anticipating, then you're going to be making all sorts of bad decisions um, with, uh, with where you're going. So watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball. Yeah, great advice, Alois. And I have to agree with you. As soon as you start trying, you know, to anticipate, like you're really thinking about it you and moving early, you often guess the wrong way. It just it doesn't, never seems to work out. But when you're playing, you know, on top of your game and you're really playing well, you seem to pick the right side every time. But it's because you're watching the ball and you're not actually moving until you've received enough information to know where the ball is going. So like you said, Alois, all about watching the ball. And if you ever watch uh, the great Waldner play, it almost looks like they're hitting the ball to him because of that, because he's just so good at watching and, and seeing what's happening that he almost he's, he's, he's almost moving to the ball before 
it looks like he's moving to the ball before they hit it, but it's just because he's watching that ball so well and he's moving so so well. Yes, excellent. And a related question from Ilya. He says, when he does notice that he has to move and he starts moving, he says, if he has to move a relatively large distance, he makes a few small side steps instead of a single big one. How does he make himself use a large step and is it worth doing? Yeah, so it depends on how what the, the how big a distance you're talking about there, Ilya. So if it's a really big distance, then a couple of steps is okay because you can, you maybe you can't make it there in the one step. But in general, try to try to make that big jump sideways this way or that way with both your legs, bang, bang. Um, if you can't make that distance, then you need to make two two jumps to get across there. So yeah. Yeah. What do you think about like crossing over? Like sometimes if it's really wide, and I've seen Zuzin do this sometimes, if it goes really wide, he'll cross over his legs in one big step and it seems to get a bit of extra distance. Yeah, certainly. So that's the crossover footwork. Um, Again, um, something that you can do, especially if the ball's really wide. The only problem with that is that it's difficult to recover. So instead of doing this, now you're crossing over and it's almost like you're running. So you're running this way. Um, to get the ball. So um, by, by doing that, you can cover a distance more quickly, but then because you're running in that direction, it's hard to change direction and come back. All right. So are there any exercises that Ilya could do to, to practice this, you know, footwork movement? Yeah, just lots and lots of footwork drills. So do lots of repetitive drills to start with of just the, the moving with the jumping and then start to do some really wide um, positioning. So get your partner to place the ball really wide. It doesn't have to be fast to start off with, but get them to place place really wide and practice moving um, that bigger distance rather than the smaller distances. Yeah. So a drill such as the Falkenberg, where they play one ball to your backhand, another ball to your backhand, you turn around and pivot, and then they play wide to your forehand, something like that when you're trying to cover wide distances. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a really good one because that third ball, you do need to cover that bigger distance to get right across great all right try out some of those tips Ilya, and see if it helps you with your footwork all right now rodrigo has jumped on and asked a question live on the show thank you rodrigo he says this is probably out of context but how much time do you play table tennis um yeah so um now not that much but um but when I was training, uh, probably at the peak, we were doing six hours a day, um, six days a week. So that was the height of playing. Now, playing table tennis, I don't know, I might do half an hour, an hour a day on average. There you go. And me, not much at all at this mo- at this point in time. Uh, I'm just busy with work and ping skills alloys. Um, yeah, and Rodrigo, he actually asked the question twice. I think maybe he made a mistake because the first time he just asked about tennis. Um, did you ever play tennis, Alois? I did. I, I still enjoy playing tennis. Um, it's a little bit harder on the body, though, um, making uh, making that bigger movements and running and all that sort of stuff. And uh, usually only lasts about five minutes nowadays. But, yeah, I love love playing tennis and love watching tennis too. Yeah. All right. And... Um, Brian has jumped on and hasn't asked a question, but he's just made an observation, Alois. He says, did you ever notice that when you blow in a dog's face, he gets mad at you? But when you take him on a car ride, he sticks his head out the window. (laughs) Dogs. 
Very, very interesting. You're right. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Mike D has also asked a question live on the show. Thank you, Mike. He says, hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Yes, I did. Thank you. Sometimes I get into a chopping rally, and normally I look for a ball to attack, but I can't attack every single chop shot. So how do you vary the spin when you're playing uh, you know, a chopping rally? Yeah. So um, when you are chopping or pushing, it is a good idea to just vary the spin a little bit. So to vary the spin, you alter the angle of your racket. So for more spin, you're coming underneath more so that you're brushing underneath the ball. For less spin, you're contacting the ball a little bit flatter. And you can just change the angle a little bit as you're coming through so that it's a little bit harder uh, to tell how much spin you're putting on the ball. So, so what you're trying to do there is vary the spin so that you're going to get the um, your opponent to put the ball up a little bit higher sometimes or push the ball into the net. So by getting them to, to hit the ball a little bit higher, it will open up the opportunity for you to attack as well. So, yeah, so just altering the angle of your racket will give you different, um, slightly different spins on your pushing or your chopping. Yeah, so when you alter the angle of your racket back, Allies, what stops you from hitting the ball just higher because you, you've got the more open angle racket? Yep, it's the brushing contact. So if you do this, then the ball is going to go high. So the more you brush it, the lower the ball's going to go. So now it's do it this way. So now it's whoa. So brushing the ball, and then the ball goes there. If you do this, then the ball's going to go straight up into the air. Okay. All right. So Mike, I guess the thing to do is actually just get out there and practice that pushing and experiment around with trying to you know get more spin or get less spin. And this is something people don't do enough. They don't practice their push because it's not as exciting as playing a topspin game. So you just spend 15 minutes the next time you get out there just working on your push and practicing that skill. Um, It is important and people should do it more often. All righty. Abhinav has a question now. He says, for two months, I've become more aggressive. I attack every possible chance I get. But sometimes I make mistakes and attack um, the third ball and lose the point. So what to do to correct this? And should I continue to be aggressive? Yeah, so Abhinav, your last point first, I think, yes, you should continue to be aggressive. Um, I think... As you're learning, you you do make some wrong decisions sometimes with um, with the ball that you choose to attack. So uh, it's again, it's a matter of experience. It's a matter of doing it a lot of times and just starting to see which balls you can attack and can't attack. Sometimes the ball's too low and too short, um, and we try to attack the ball and it's going to go in the net. So. Um, it's more a matter of waiting for that ball that comes up a little bit higher or or is a little bit longer that is a little bit easier to attack. And then the other point is that you will also get better at attacking the balls that are heavier and lower. So um, it's just a progression, um, Abhinav. So as you, as you practice the skill more, you will get better. You'll get better at your decision-making and you'll get better at actually executing the, the attacking stroke off the push ball or the backspin ball as well. So keep going with your mindset. It's um, it's the right way to go eventually, but you will um, make a lot of mistakes initially um, as you're starting to learn um, the right balls. 
Indeed. All right. Well done, Abhinav. Keep up the good work and you will, yeah, get better as Alloy said. Next up, Anup says, my head tilts to the side um, when while returning. This makes me lose my sense of orientation if the rally continues. So what do you have, what advice do you have for Anup to solve yeah. this issue? Yep, so Anup, it is really important to just keep that, um, keep your head nice and still and not be tilting too much. If you are tilting, you do get a distorted view of the world. If you ever tried to um, to read a book or, or to watch a movie with your head on the side, it um, it become it, it looks really weird. So definitely try, try to maintain your eye level um, when you're returning serve. So instead of doing this and leaning over, try to move across and nice and straight with your head so that you're able to see the ball a little bit better and um, and your judgment will also be a little bit better. So definitely try to keep your head nice and still and upright rather than tilting it over. Yeah, good point, Alice. I just tried to watch you answer that question with my head tilted like this and it, it certainly doesn't feel right. <laughs> So it's no good for table tennis either. Keep your head as straight as possible. That will solve your problem, Anup. All right, next up is a question from Sam who says, I have recently mastered my service return by hitting the same side of the ball that the server strikes to get a good return. So my new problem is when I serve a side spin serve, the third ball is sometimes tricky. Should I hit it the same side as the serve? Okay, yeah. So this can this can get a little bit complex, um, viewers. But so what Sam's talking about is so he's hitting the ball here. Or sorry, if his opponent hits the ball here for the serve, so he's hitting the same side of the ball on the return. So he's hitting this side of the ball on the return. And as a theory, that tends to work quite well. So then what he's saying is that now he's hitting the serve. They're hitting that ball back there. Which side of the ball does he need to hit? And yes, you do need to hit the same side of the ball um, to um, to allow for the spin on the ball. A little bit complex, but that's something you can think through. But the other point, Sam, is that if that ball comes long to you, what you really should be thinking about is rather than trying to just touch the side of the ball is just really brushing with heavy topspin on the ball. So with that heavy topspin, you will eliminate the spin that's on the ball. So if the ball's spinning around sideways, if you brush the ball straight forwards that way, you're going to eliminate that side spin, put your topspin on the ball, and that will allow you to hit um, a stronger return as well or a stronger third ball. So so that's something for you to think about. So, um, yeah, have a think about the side 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 of the ball, um, but then really think about trying to make that um, strong top spin on the ball. Yeah, that's interesting, Alice. You even confused me a little bit there. Um, when I, I find it hard myself to imagine, you know, thinking about if I do this and then they put this spin on it, then what spins are coming back with? And it does get a little bit tricky to kind of plan those things out in advance. But with more experience, when I'm playing the game, if I serve a side's been served, when they return it, I can kind of just see what type of spin they put on it. So more than worrying about, you know, if I do that and they do that, I just worry about what they're doing when they hit the ball back. So I can kind of see if they put a bit of side spin on the return 
And I find that easier. Is, is that a, an okay way to think about things also? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can get pretty hung up with the theory of it. Um, yes, you're better off just, just going out there and, and playing it. But, you know, for, for some players, so for Sam, um, he obviously finds that um, an easy way to, to think about it and to deal with it, and that's good. Um, but for most or a lot of players, you will find that um, it'll just be about going out there and playing and playing and just seeing and, and uh, experiencing it. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right, Alice. The world moves in different circles, doesn't it? A lot of people learn better using different methods. So you've got to do what works for you, don't you? Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, different different ways of learning. Exactly. All right. So good to see you thinking about these things, Sam, and thinking about the types of spin. So, you know, keep working on it, and hopefully Alois's words uh, will help you out. Let us know if they do. All right, Alois, that wraps up show 185, another big show. Thank you, everybody who got involved, and thank you, everybody, for watching. And thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye.